1: It's time for Simple Truth Moments, hosted by Reverend Earl Clampett of Simple Truth Ministries, a weekly show dedicated to excavating God's Simple Truth Moments. Good morning, San Diego Saints. I am your host, Reverend Earl Clampett. Welcome to Simple Truth Moments, a unique type of broadcast with the goal to prepare the body of Christ for the momentous times in which we find ourselves. This program serves as a kingdom training platform, challenging church tradition, not with hostility, but with a view to assess the biblical validity of what is taught and lived. So put on your seatbelt for an enlightening journey of cultural context and a fresh way to more thoroughly comprehend the kingdom ways of God. Welcome back, San Diego Saints. We are continuing on in our journey of uh, reviewing a series um, a book entitled Homecoming, uh, authored by um, me last year. It came out, and uh, the subtitle under that is How the Mystery of the New Covenant Brings Both Jew and Gentile Back to Abba Father. And where we left off um, last week, <clears throat> excuse me, we were talking about all of the names that we as Gentile believers, uh, per the Scripture, receive uh, when we come to Christ, and uh, we talked about the fact that the words Gentile Church does not appear in Scripture, and um, we had a lot of labels of uh, that seemed Jewish in nature, Hebrew in nature, and I invite you to uh, go back to our, our earlier shows. You can check the podcast, um, pull down menu at kpraise.com and you can review those, or you can go to my website at Uh, www.simpletruthministries.net and go over to the media page and then um, click on that and then you'll see the uh, selection option for podcasts. We are moving on. Uh, Where we left off last time was talking about this uh, grafting in process that um, Paul wrote about in Romans chapter 11 on when Jew and Gentile come together to solve this mysterious construction project that uh, Paul's talking about in Ephesians chapter 2 and 3 and and uh, also in the letter to the Galatians same two numbers on the chapters by the way so it's Galatians 2 and three as well. so it's easy to remember Ephesians 2 and 3 and Galatians 2 and 3 and then the three chapters in the book of Romans uh, 910. And eleven and um, that pretty much describes what God is doing in this season by fulfilling um, a description of what's called one new man uh, in Messiah uh, one new man in father God and uh, we've t- talked about in earlier shows there's three prepositions um, that talks about um, our coming to the Father, being reconciled back to the Father, which was the purpose of Jesus coming in the first place, was to uh, restore and uh, regenerate and reconcile um, our relationship uh, that we lost in Genesis chapter 3 with the rebellion uh, of heaven, of the second heavens, having come down to earth. Satan brought it down here. Our original parents bought into the lie that uh, Father God was not to be trusted, and um, basically Eve bought the lie that she was not in the likeness of God, and so in order to be in the likeness of God, she had to disobey God. Well, that didn't work out well, and we're still paying the price today for that disobedience uh, cause and effect. If we obey God, we live. If we do the opposite, if we disobey, we perish. And so um, the whole restoration process that Father God has begun to basically bring us full circle back um, to the original plan that he had by putting man in charge to have dominion uh, over the material creation, to steward it, to run it, to keep it, to tend it, and um, I Back in the days when I was a chaplain uh, with the San Diego County Sheriff Department working in the jail system, I remember one day a, a Hispanic inmate um, raised his hand, and I was teaching a all-Hispanic group because I was the uh, Spanish-speaking chaplain um, at a max- maximum security facility. Um, he raised his hand, and he said, you know, this message that you're bringing, chaplain, um, because we had just finished the book of Revelation, written by John the Apostle, and he said the last few chapters of the book of Revelation um, look just like the first few chapters of the book of Genesis. other otherwise, the story is coming around full circle. And they concluded that because... Of their actual reading of the scriptures in a kingdom context, and um, it obviously brought joy to my heart because I was thinking wow these guys are these guys are understanding what kingdom was all about and this restoration process of the kingdom um, was implemented instituted when uh, Father God contacts Abram who's going to change his—he's going to get his name changed by God to Abraham, which means Father God, our divine Father, Creator, reaches out to the uh, Father Abraham, who was going to have a line through which a Messiah was going to come to rescue us, to, um, in essence, liberate us from the power of Satan over our lives. Um. And that rescue process um, had to be restored by restoring the concept of a divine-slash-human family. And and then why do I say that? Well, God put human beings in charge of the material creation. That's really important that we compare the first two chapters of, of Genesis with the last three or four chapters of Revelation, God's come in full circle. Um, when we die, which, you know, I, I'm not anti-heaven. I want to go to heaven when I die. <clears throat> but the question is, do I want to stay there? And the short answer is no, not long-term. I want to come back with our Messiah, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Son of God but also Son of Man. That's messaging for the angels to say um, this Messiah is not just a spirit. He returned also as a human being, which the messaging was, Father God's going to put back in place what he began with, with his original design, his original blueprint, his original um, project of putting men, human, human, men and women in charge of the material creation. And that's been the whole point of contention all along. People don't understand that until they look at the, for example, second temptation of Christ, <clears throat> excuse me, in the desert, where Satan takes um, Jesus up to the top of the mountain to present something that's a temptation. And uh, what he shows him is not heaven as the prize, he showed him the earth and the nations or the people or the kingdoms of the earth. It's amazing to me that, you know, the two uh, leaders, the two heads of these two opposite kingdoms, Jesus the king of the kingdom of light and life, and Satan the head of the kingdom of death and darkness, understand what the prize is. The prize is us and the earth, and that's why they're contending over it. And so the issue of of uh, heaven never never came up between them because that wasn't the goal. That wasn't the point. Um, if you restore something you begin with, what did we begin with? We began with Father God putting humans in charge of the material creation of earth. We were supposed to take care of it, run it, have dominion over it, and be responsible for it Well, he's never changed his mind, and we've basically bought into this Gnostic, Greek, Western linear thinking of trying to get us off the mark where we start reading Plato and Aristotle and Socrates, and we buy into their philosophies and their religion uh, when we cut off our contact with our Hebrew roots, and we went into a Western mode uh, way of thinking about a Jewish Messiah with a Jewish message of a circular return, and we turn all of that into um, something that's antithetical, which is a linear path away from the earth. I was teaching recently um, at a men's conference, and I asked um, the men there in the Lord's Prayer when Jesus is teaching that, us that singular prayer, because he only taught us one prayer, and everything we need is contained in that prayer. And he says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. I ask the men, does Jesus, when he's on earth, he's teaching us how to pray, does he say thy kingdom go? Or does he say the opposite? Does he say thy kingdom come? Have we ever stopped Ourselves and asked ourselves what we're being taught. And I don't care whether you come from the Catholic world or the Protestant world, um, you don't see this in the Hebrew world. The Hebrews get it, they understand. The Messianic Jews, the, if you want, don't know what that term means, Messianic Jews means Jews, ethnic Jews who have um, accepted Jesus Christ of Nazareth as their Jewish. Messiah, which he was. He was Jewish. His apostles were Jewish, with maybe one exception. His disciples were all Jewish. The The first uh, century church launching out, starting out, for the most part in the beginning, was all Jewish. And, and so when we take um, a Western mode of thinking, a Greek philosophical and religious way of, of basically living your life and then superimpose that over a Hebrew book. The, the gospel is a Hebrew book. It has 66 books, 40 authors, 39 of whom, at least 39 of whom, who are Old and New Testament, were all Jews. All of them, culturally, linguistically, Intellectually spiritually. And if we don't understand that, we really don't know when we're being snookered. Jesus didn't say, thy kingdom go. He's asking the Father what? What is he asking? He's asking, Father, bring me, bring us here on earth. His feet. We're touching the earth when he prayed this, and we were on earth when he teaches this, this way of praying, because he was answering the question, teach us to pray. How do you pray? So it's not your kingdom go. And unfortunately, we Gentiles have all been taught, for the most part, um, it's all about kingdom going. And we're handing over the earth to the enemy, to the adversary, and he's celebrating it. He said, oh, this is great. If it's thy kingdom come, what is Jesus requesting of the Father? What's, what's his petition to the Father? He's saying, bring down your ways of the kingdom of heaven, the government of heaven, the order of heaven, how things run up there. We are a mess, Father we're in chaos, we're in disorder, we're in disharmony, uh, we're in frustration, depression. Um, all, of the, all of the things that uh, are of the kingdom of darkness and death prevail here. Bring us your ways, Father. Bring us your government. And, you know, it's the Christmas season, and, and it says in Isaiah 9, we uh, have that Christmas carol about uh, Jesus coming, um, He's the Prince of Peace, and it starts all these descriptions in Isaiah chapter 9, but it says he's bringing something as Messiah, as, as our Deliverer, as our Savior, as our Redeemer. Um, he's bringing something on his shoulder, and what does it say in Isaiah, Isaiah 9? He said he's bringing the what? The government on his shoulder. What he, what that means is he's bringing the kingdom the governmental ways of how God runs things up there in heaven. And what Jesus is praying for is a convergence, a coming together of the kingdom government, the kingdom ways to basically invade the earth. John the Baptist announces ahead of time, hey, there's this Messiah coming. He's the anointed one. And he is going to make things right, put things back in original order, original design, original place, divine design brought to earth, brought down to earth. So that's why he doesn't teach us, thy kingdom go. He said the opposite, and we really have to stop and go full stop push the pause on the remote control with the rampaging thoughts that we have and say, wait a minute, why didn't Jesus teach his apostles when asked, how do we pray? Why didn't he teach them thy kingdom go? He said, thy kingdom come. And he's praying directly to the Father and he's on earth when he prays. And he says, I'm praying to our Father as he's looking at the apostles. This is our Father. That's what's mutually shared is our um, family relationship of a mutual dad. In Hebrew, father is Av. And when you say Avinu, that's our father. And then Paul calls him and that says our what we long for in our spirit in Romans um, chapter eight, uh, along the lines of I think eight thirteen through probably 16. And it says, we groan. And our spirit says, Abba, Father. Abba was another word for father that was used um, in those first century days. And it's all about, Daddy, come back to this earth. Bring your ways back. Your kingdom come. Your government come come kingdom can be a place but it also means listen the domain of the king well father god is the creator father slash king he's sent his only son his only begotten son who's very god of very god and simultaneously very man of very man and he was to become king of the jews And he was to bring a heavenly form of government down to an earthly, chaotic, confused, disoriented, upside-down world. That's what we're saying, in essence, when we pray the Lord's Prayer. Now, how do you know that God's government is coming down from heaven down to earth. What does that look like? How's it going to manifest? How's it going to uh, pop up? How are we going to know it when when we look for it? Well, it's the next line. What's the next line after thy kingdom come? In other words, come from heaven to earth. The next line is going to give away what we're going to see, which is thy will be done. That's what messed up everything in the beginning, starting with chapter 3 of Genesis. They, <laughs> the original human parents, Adam and Eve, thought they were smarter than God, and they basically became God in their own eyes, and they th- and they said, we can pretty much uh, do what we want, how we want, when we want the way we want. And when they were getting approached by this lie, proposed that God was not trustworthy, that he didn't have their best um, considerations uh, in mind, when he gave that one singular prohibition of don't partake of the uh, fruit of the tree of uh, the knowledge of good and evil, they weren't ready yet. They were probably, you know, you're looking at them. I mean, you wouldn't let an eight-year-old go drive a car, okay? Maybe at some point he would have allowed them to do that, but they weren't they weren't ready. And as a father, he's doing his fatherly duties. We human fathers, we human mothers, don't do anything different with our kids. And the kids may be insistent that, um, you know, even though you live on a busy street, they can play soccer out in the middle of the street when they're seven and eight years old. And you know... Um, that you're not going to allow them to do that. Because, but you're not being mean. <laughs> you're not being uh, irrational uh, or just being um, evil because you're denying them what they want. You're just simply saying, I uh, have a little different perspective um, than you do when you're, you're that age. And um, they didn't, unfortunately, Adam and Eve didn't trust their father. And they bought into this lie that's, that basically uh, was proposed by the enemy, which said, um, God doesn't want you to be like him. The irony of that whole story was that Eve got suckered into biting the hook, biting the bait that was on the hook, and she swallowed it hook, line, and sinker that she didn't think she was already like God you go back to uh, how man was made when God grabbed a handful of of dirt and breathed into it, he made men, including women in that, because he's going to take the rib later from Adam, but he made man in his likeness. It had already occurred. And for some reason, because there was this prohibition, the enemy was able to come in and said, God's holding out on you. He doesn't want your best. He doesn't want you to uh, grow and prosper and blossom. Um, and the irony was he tricked her with something, the enemy tricked her with something she already had. She already possessed the likeness of God. And then the tragedy is that when she disobeys God and then entices her husband to do the same thing, and unfortunately her husband didn't do his job to say, wait a minute, let's go to the Father, let's ask about this, you know, let's check this out, let's push the pause button, let's find out what's really the motive here of this, of this snake, what the message is of this snake. And they didn't do that. And so presumptuously they just um, lost when they disobeyed the very likeness they thought they were attempting to obtain. That's the irony and the tragedy of what happened. They were already like God. So in God's restoration plan, he's going to go back to the beginning. He's not going to change. He's still going to put us in charge. And when he sends this Messiah, note. Notice this Messiah is not just a spirit. The Messiah is multiple things. And so there's big debate, you know, in the early centuries of the church was, was he more God than, you know, than man, or was he more man than God? When And I think the, the resolution from all the theologians back in the early centuries was finally, he was very God of very God, this Jesus of Nazareth, and, and, He was also very man of very man. The reason that very man of very man is so significant, we don't pay much attention to that, is because the messaging was the dominion and the authority was given to this Messiah to, in essence, bring back the kingdom of God to the material creation, back to the earth. Back to the beginning. The Bible is not a straight line, linear experience. It is a c- cyclical, circular journey. It's, you remember the movie Back to the Future? Well, this is Back to the Past, which is also the future, because he didn't change his mind. God doesn't change. The Scripture is very clear about that. And we have to understand this installation of the kingdom. What he's trying to do through this mystery of one new man bringing Jew and Gentile together is to defeat the enemy and his plans. You ready to learn about this, what this mystery is all about? We'll see you after the break. God bless. Did you know that the Simple Truth Moment Show features a website where you can access previous podcasts of the Simple Truth Moment Show? Also, previous radio shows, sermons, lectures, sponsored events, books, and publications along with the blogs by the author and broadcaster, Reverend Earl Clampett of the Simple Truth Moments show. Just type in www.simpletruthministries.net and click onto the media page and the book publications page. You will learn so much more on how the kingdom of God ways are impacting our current Gentile church culture to rediscover our Hebrew covenant roots, and God's blueprint plans to bring together both Jew and Gentile into one new humanity in Messiah Jesus and Father God. It will be a life-changing journey you will not soon forget. So type in www.simpletruthministries.net It's not .org, it's not .com, remember .net. God bless. Welcome back, San Diego Saints. So we're going to pick up where we left off from last week. Um, The way our show ended last week was we were talking about um, all the uh, Jewish-Israeli type of uh, names that were called in Scripture, but we ended up with, um, if we're all of these, as Gentiles, when we come to to a relationship with, with Christ in faith, and we have all of these titles that no one ever explained to us, um, I wanted to spend a little bit of time on this, why bringing Jew and Gentile together is so critical. So um, I attended a convention in, um, back in Virginia, and I was <clears throat> taught by a Messianic Jewish rabbi of what he had learned when he had just recently returned from Israel and um, one of the tours that he was on was uh, done by an Israeli agronomist. And the agronomist was explaining um, why in these very, very old um, orchards where these um, elderly olive trees were located, why um, the the farmers and the agronomists actually take um, – Wild branches from an uncultivated tree, and they physically remove those wild branches and bring them over to uh graft them in to the original trunk to the original um uh, root if you will, the root system of the tree and um and in a short time um all of a sudden. The resulting next harvest after the ingrafting, and it may not happen the very next season, it may take a while, Um, like in the example that I gave in last week's show with the avocado orchard, it took about four years, but the purpose of this ingrafting was to produce an exponential increase in the harvest, in the fruit of that tree, and um, God wants to do an exponential harvest in these times. Everyone's talking about revival and et cetera, et cetera, but with the point of what? The point is that when this kingdom message goes out for the, for the upcoming revival, we cannot continue to uh, basically give a partial story with a Gentile focus, a Gentile perspective only, leaving out the Hebrew foundation, the Hebrew base, if you will, um, the Hebrew root system, you can't do it and have a meaningful, understandable kingdom message. Kingdom of God is God's government coming down to earth. And he used the Jews as a prototype and the covenant that he made with Abraham, the first former gentile who turned jew abraham he made a specific promise of how the messiah that was pretty much promised in gentile um, i'm sorry in genesis chapter 3 how this messiah was going to come back to earth in which lineage and that this jewish hebrew lineage was going to be a model a prototype of how the nations, people of the nations who were not Jews, not Hebrews, they're called Gentiles, were going to be blessed by this promise made by Father God to a human named Father Abraham. That's the connection. Those covenants of promise that you see in Genesis 12 and Genesis 15 and Genesis um, 17 and Genesis 26— in Genesis 28 those are all the patriarchs Abraham Isaac and Jacob we gentiles are mentioned as the ultimate point as the ultimate purpose as the ultimate objective of as to why this prototype was so critical the messiah is going to come through the jewish line but we as gentiles as we commit our lives to this Jewish Messiah, by having a relationship with him, we invite him to come into us when we become born again. We are no longer considered to be Gentiles. We're considered to be part of the Commonwealth of Israel, as we saw. We're part of the seed of Abraham. Go back and listen to those earlier shows. But where we're going today is that The purpose for this coming together of Jew and Gentile was to basically send a message to the spiritual kingdom that God never changed his mind about restoring everything that he had installed in Genesis 1 and 2. Now, when you look at, I don't know if you watch HGTV, but when God is when some, I'm sorry, not God. When somebody is redoing a house, building a house, et cetera, um, there's often a two-step process. When you do a rebuilding, a reconstruction, if you will, um, of a edifice, you have to do what is called the process of um, demolition. And it's a deconstructing process process at first in other words you have to tear down what was not of god but was of man and we can see in the tower of babel um i think that was in genesis um well i'm thinking it's probably either 10 or 11 how post uh, flood mankind thought again they wanted to be like god but without being submitted to to God, so they started to build this tower that was going to go all the way up into the heavens and unfortunately post flood mankind still didn't get it. they wanted to basically say we will do our relationship with you on our own terms and of course you know what had to happen where is that God inter interceded I'm sorry um, interposed himself on their attempt to basically be like God but not be submitted to him by confusing their language, and uh, the project failed. Well, in the next chapters um, where God is starting to make these uh, present-day promises for the future restoration with these Jewish patriarchs regarding the bringing in of Gentiles— into this one new man of Jew and Gentile together, both submitted to the will of the Father and being edified or built up or constructed. So we see the construction process being explained in Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians 3, it says the reason God is building this new edifice with with these two groups of people, Jew and Gentile together, I'm saying when I say Jew, I'm talking about believing Jew, in other words, those who accept Jesus Christ as their Messiah. Um, those two groups together, believing Jews and believing Gentiles, form a message that is conveyed to the powers and the principalities in the heavenlies, and it's not—it's talking about the fallen angelic kingdom. And that is to put on display the manifold wisdom of God. Manifold just means many-sided. And that basically is saying, you may have thought, Mr. Fallen Angel and your kingdom, that you took over the earth, that you stole away the authority of man to run the earth, in Genesis chapter 3, you thought you blew up everything, and you even had the hutzpah when Satan takes the Messiah up to the top of the mountain in the second temptation of Christ of Luke chapter 4, and he says, if you bow down and worship me, he's talking to Jesus now, he says, I have the authority to give you all of this, and that's where he pointed to the earth and all the kingdoms in the earth, the nations. Now, the question is, did he have the authority to give that over to Jesus? And when you think about what happened in Genesis chapter 3, mankind handed over to him the earthly, I'm sorry, the heavenly authority that mankind had to run the earth. They handed it over to him, and unfortunately, that's why Satan's power as a fallen angel is able to function in a material world, a material creation, is because he was given authority not by God, but rather by someone who was given the authority by God, which was mankind. They gave it to him, and they had it legally, and they could give it away, and they did, So when we are now talking about this One New Man construction project, I'm going to read to you from page 276 of the book, uh, Homecoming. Um, There's a sub-chapter there called Mutual Walls of Separation. We're going to see how God's going to start knocking down, destroying, leveling the walls of separation that keep Jew and Gentile apart, separate and apart So, um, the deconstruct phase of God's one-new-man construction project kicks into gear in Ephesians chapter 2. Paul speaks of a Jewish middle wall of separation, and parenthetically, um, I explain Torah commands in the forms of ordinances. Excuse me, that needs to be torn down. That's the deconstruct. That's the demolition that has to be done. If the Father's plan, Father God's plan for a group reconciliation is to succeed, it has to be torn down. You always have to do demolition before you build the new construction. As Messiah Jesus, also called Yeshua in Hebrew circles, as Messiah Jesus himself is our peace, it is he who builds breaks down, deconstructs this middle wall of separation with the intent of making both groups, what do I mean by that, both Jews and Gentiles, into one group. To facilitate the unity of both groups, the deconstruction of the wall of separation, it must occur first. The deconstruction has to occur first. And let me read you something out of Uh, Jeremiah that would explain this. Uh, Jeremiah 1, 9. The Lord says to Jeremiah the prophet, I'm reading out of the New King James here, then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, this is Jeremiah writing this now as the author, behold, this is the Father God, you know, speaking to Jeremiah, behold, I have put my words in your mouth, See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and pull down, to destroy and to throw down, and then look at the last line, and then to build and to plant. So what has to happen first First, there has to be a rooting out and a pulling down, a destruction and a throwing down, and then you can build, and then you can plant. Okay, so what needs to be pulled down is uh, from the unification of both Jew and Gentile? I'm going to read you out of Ephesians 2:14 uh, through 15. This is the New King James, uh, referring to Jesus. For he himself is our peace, Who has made both one, both what? Both groups, one, and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the enmity is just another word I think is, is good, is hostility. That is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. Now, where's the address on that again? Ephesians 2, um, verses 14 through 15. I go on to say, that wall of separation alluded to by Paul is a reference to a Hebrew wall of separation which existed in the, in the temple. The uh, Temple of Solomon called a, see if I pronounce this right, Michitsa. It served, the wall, it served as a denial of equal access of Gentiles, to the temple sacrifices in the temple of Solomon. Inscribed on the wall was a warning that anyone who was caught within the fence and enclosure around the temple was subject to the penalty of death. That's out of the um, complete Jewish Bible, David Stern's commentary. So that was pretty serious. Now, symbolically, this separation was dealt a lethal blow when, at the moment of Messiah Jesus' death on the cross, the veil in the temple was torn into two pieces. In Hebrews chapters 9 and Hebrews chapter 10, it is discussed that the reality that now both Jews and Gentiles have equal access now um, post-sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, his death brought about equal access to the Father's presence by being united with Jesus the Messiah. Equal access to the Father's presence. On page 277, I go on to say, I believe that the breaking down of the Hebrew wall of separation in the temple by Messiah Jesus in Ephesians 2, verse 14, was a spiritual forerunner of the ongoing need for Yeshua as Messiah to continue to break down the remainder of all the divisive walls found in both the Jewish and Gentile camps. Believe me, they are found in both camps. This continuing need for preliminary deconstruction must go before the building's reconstruction. So deconstruct first as per Jeremiah 1.9, and then later the reconstruction. And then I go on to say on page 277, unfortunately we Gentiles, uh, besides disconnecting from our Hebrew foundations, when was that? That was in the pretty much the first three centuries, um, when the, uh, after the Diaspora of 70 AD, after Titus um, destroyed the temple— and the Jews, the surviving Jews, were dispersed. Um, We went about, unfortunately, through establishment of uh, when Constantine, the Roman emperor, came to faith. um, He basically set out to disconnect, to sever all connections with our Hebrew roots, our Hebrew foundations, our Hebrew uh, base, if you will. Um, But we Gentiles um, have built our own walls, of separation and isolation from our Jewish brothers and sisters. These walls of separation from our Jewish family are simply the Gentile version of the earlier Hebrew wall of separation, which Paul addressed in uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Amongst the plethora of post-Nicene council walls built and maintained for centuries by uh, Gentiles is the doctrinal wall of separation called dispensationalism. Its teachings include the pretext that there are two kingdoms in God's economy, a spiritual kingdom consisting of Christians, primarily Gentiles, and an earthly or natural kingdom comprising of those who are Jewish by ethnicity. Here is one of the problems that this concept presents. The whole notion of two elect people groups forming two separate kingdoms is not found anywhere in the scriptures, including Paul's writings in the New Testament. Beginning with the Hebrew prophets and continuing into what's called the Brit Hadashah, um, Brit just simply means um, covenant, Uh, Hadashah is the new, the New Testament, okay, so let me read that again. Beginning with the Hebrew prophets and continuing into the, into the New Testament, everyone from John the Baptist to Messiah Jesus, including the apostles, taught a consistent message. That is, there is one singular kingdom of God. I give some examples. Uh, reading from the New King James. In those days, John the Baptist came in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." That's seen in, Math- in Matthew chapter three, verses one and two. From that time on, look going to Matthew four seventeen, Yeshua Jesus began proclaiming, "Turn from your sins, to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near." And then going to Acts chapter eight. Uh, verse 12, out of the complete Jewish Bible. But when they came to believe Philip, as he announced the good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Yeshua, the Messiah, they were immersed, or in other words, baptized, they were immersed, both men and women. This original, prophetic, singular kingdom message was targeted to all non-believers. However, only those Jews and Gentiles who became united or connected with Messiah Jesus by being born again of the Spirit were able to actually enter in and actually see the kingdom of God. And for that, we use John three three. Let's. Um, I'm going to take a break here and let's go over and let's read. From John, uh, let me just go for uh, context. Let me start at verse 1 in John 3. For there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Verse 2. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Verse 3. Jesus answered and said to him, "Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God." Well, then, of course, that goes into the discussion of you know Nicodemus is confused and he wonders, well, how do you get born twice? And do I have to get back into my you know mother's womb, et cetera? And Jesus explains what that is, but he basically said, "Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again." The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit, born again. So let's go on. Page 278 of the homecoming. Paul was consistent in his teachings that there was only one holy olive tree in Romans chapter 11. That olive tree was uh, namely Israel, and that it it is we, Gentiles, who are grafted onto it. Once that grafting occurs upon our being united with Messiah Jesus by being born again, the true vine, we Gentiles become an integral part of the true olive tree of Israel. And the branches don't support the root. The root supports the branches. You know, you, you where you see that um look at, take a look at John chapter 15. That's all about uh Jesus and you know, the fathers, the the caretaker of the garden. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches and we can do nothing without him without being attached to the vine. So, um there's a very good example of of Jesus explaining that in the Gospel of John, at John 15, of what we see in Romans chapter 11. So I go on to say on page 278, Newly gathered in Gentiles who believe in and obey Jesus have become fellow partakers along with the faithful Jewish remnant of the promises of Jewish the Messiah. So if we fail to recognize Father God's inclusive building design and architecture, inclusive being both groups are going to be involved, that we see in Ephesians chapter 2, then we will have missed the unfolding mystery of his marvelous plan to unite and gather all of his errant children back to him through his Son and by his Holy Spirit. This is a structure whose builder is a mastermind. Only Father God could do this. Wow. Are you ready for this? We'll pick this up next week. Allow yourself to ask God what part of the building are you? What do you bring? What has God gifted you with? I hope you have a ton of Simple Truth Moments in the upcoming week. God bless you. Thank you for spending your time with us excavating God's Simple Truth Moments. For more information and resources, visit simpletruthministries.net. That's simpletruthministries Net. To contact Simple Truth Moments, email me at earlsimpletruth at gmail.com. That's earlsimpletruth at gmail.com. So until next time, may God richly reveal His Simple Truth Moments to you. You've been listening to Simple Truth Moments. Join Reverend Earl Clampett for another episode next Sunday at 11 a.m. right here on KPraise. Did you know that the Simple Truth Moment Show features a website where you can access previous podcasts of the Simple Truth Moment Show? Also, previous radio shows, sermons, lectures, sponsored events, books, and publications, along with the blogs by the author and broadcaster, Reverend Earl Clampett of the Simple Truth Moment Show. Just type in www.simpletruthministries.net and click onto the media page and the book publications page. You will learn so much more on how the kingdom of God ways are impacting our current Gentile church culture to rediscover our Hebrew covenant roots and God's blueprint plans to bring together both Jew and Gentile into one new humanity in Messiah Jesus and Father God. It will be a life-changing journey you will not soon forget. So type in www.simpletruthministries.net. It's not .org. It's not .com. Remember .net. God bless.